We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. I'm joined today by Michael. The J is for July basketball. Fachi Fachi, what's going on, brother? Man, July basketball, the highs and the lows <laughs> for the first two games. I started thinking to myself, what if we hoist the Summer League Championship? Well, you know what? Things change in an instant. No Matherin, no Nemar, no Isaiah Jackson. There will be no Summer League Championship. The boys looked quite different last night. And and I think that's got to be expected. Yeah, definitely expected. Definitely took some pizzazz out of like the excitement of watching this game. And I will just ask, let me just ask you this, because the Thunder have their full lineup in effect. Are you a little bit disappointed we didn't get to see Isaiah Jackson versus Chet Holmgren? I mean, it would have been cool. I, I think Isaiah Jackson, you know, going into year three, we probably didn't think he'd play more than two games. But, you know, and obviously there's no reason for Nemhard to play another game. Matherin wasn't coming off of a good game, so I thought maybe there was a chance, but it didn't make sense. But that would have been a cool showdown, Isaiah Jackson versus Chet Holmgren. But, man, Chet looked like he was on another level, and that's what happens when you're the number two pick. Yeah, I know. Chet, a guy that missed all of last year, so he's still a rookie this year. You can definitely tell that he's put a work in of NBA offs or you know NBA workouts in because this guy looks much more chiseled than he did coming into the draft. He was a beanpole. There's no doubt about it. This guy like had no muscle to him, but like five blocks last night, Vachi. This guy, his recovery is so special. I mean, I'm not trying to ooh and ah about another player on a different team, but I'll just say like Jed Holmgren looked really good last night, and so. I just kind of wish that we would have seen Isaiah Jackson go up against him. Maybe even seen Nimard and Matherin go up against this, you know, OKC team that's 
a little bit more experience than the Pacers team that they had out there last night. But I got to give the boys credit. It was ugly. They fought their way back. Uh, didn't end up pulling it out, but they made it a closer game than it was initially. And I think that's a testament to just playing hard and, and playing fast and playing the style that they've been playing. Yeah, there was a moment the Pacers cut it to about a four-point game in the third quarter, and I thought to myself, whoa, whoa, I kind of thought this one was over, and here comes the boys. But, yeah, in the end, you know, you mentioned Usman Jang, Chet Holmgren, I guess the other Jalen Williams, you can call him, whatever it is. These are Williams. guys, yeah, these are, you know, first-round picks in the NBA. Uh, you know, they look good. Case Wallace, obviously, is a really good talent. Um, so Jared Butler can't leave him out. Jared Butler had, had a good game. He had a good game. 18 points, seven assists, three steals. He had some moments. Yeah, so, yeah. and Keontae Johnson also 18 oh, points off the man. bench. I, and you and I were both interested in him. So the Thunder looked good. I do feel that if Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhart, Isaiah Jackson were out there, I think the Pacers probably pull this one out. If not, it's an extremely close game, but this was very, probably no, much like, we definitely pull it out. The Pacers summer league team fully healthy is the 96 Bulls, man. Come on now. Don't ever sell that. <laughs> yeah, this is the first game that, like, the first two games the Pacers were stellar defensively. Last night, OKC, you know, they they, they kind of got what they wanted. I mean, 98 points isn't a lot, but they shot about 53% from the field. So, um, in, in this game, it just looked like what you saw out there for the Pacers, like, especially bench-wise, was – Guys that you probably never see suit up for the Pacers. I know Mojave King's in that category, but who knows about him? Uh, and that starting five was just like a bit of like, okay, hey, you know, you saw some promise at times, but you couldn't compete with what OKC threw out there, and that's understandable. Yeah, and I thought Ethan Thompson showed some really nice moments actually last night, Fachi. I was like, okay, he's got something in the bag a little bit. Obviously not going to be a part of the Pacers team more than likely, but um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the overall play of everybody – I know that you threw a little love out to Oscar Shibway, your boy. Oh, you yes, know, I did. Plus minus was the best of anybody on the team with a plus four. Mm -hmm. But he only yep. played 16 minutes, Fachi. So yeah. I was kind of surprised that the lack of minutes that was there at the center position for him. But, you know, it, it's going to happen. I mean, 11 rebounds for him in 16 minutes is pretty impressive. He's just gobbling everything up out there and did, did more so effectively this game than he had the prior two games. So, you know, I, I still don't think Oscar is someone I envision being in any NBA rotation anytime soon. But I definitely think he's going to carve himself out a nice career in the G League or overseas. And it's fun to kind of enjoy this experience. But another guy that I thought really impressed last night as well, Fachi, was Isaiah Wong. I think that he really showed, okay, this is why we believed in him a little bit more than Mojave King. The first game was rough. Second game was okay. But this third game definitely showed more flashes than we had seen previously. Yeah, so I put together numbers for, for every player, you know, from the first three games. And just going back to your point on Oscar, uh, we, we saw him improve each and every game, I thought. The first game, you know, man, it was pretty brief. Five points, two boards. The, the rebounds came you know, both offensively on, on one sequence. Um, so whatever. Second game, seven points, eight rebounds, three of three shooting. Okay. That third game that you mentioned, six points, 11 rebounds. So I went through it. Oscar was seven of seven from the field in three games. They're all just dunks, but at least he's taking smart shots, not trying to do anything that doesn't fit his style. Um, six offensive rebounds in three games. And obviously you touched on the plus minus. He's gotten to the free throw line a decent amount. Look at this stat. So he got to the free throw line. It was uh, seven attempts in his 36 minutes. 
Cheris mm. Walker, nine free throw attempts in 91 minutes. Mm. Isaiah Jackson, seven free throw attempts in, oh, Isaiah Jackson, four free throw attempts in two games. So at least Oscar's battling down low. He's getting some foul calls. He's getting some rebounds. We know the odds are stacked against him. He's undersized, especially last night. I mean, you got Oscar Sheboy going up against Chet Holmgren. It was like undrafted and undersized against number two pick who's like, I don't know, what, like seven two, seven seven foot one, something like that. So that was definitely tough. But touching on your point of Isaiah Wong, we definitely saw improvement last night. Good game, Isaiah, Isaiah Wong. 17 points, 7 of 13 shooting, 4 assists, 3 of 6 from 3. He was someone who got better each game. So that's promising to see because we're probably going to see a healthy dose of Isaiah Wong to finish out Summer League because without Andrew Nemhard, the Pacers really don't have any promising options on this Summer League roster from a point guard standpoint. Yeah, I know you're right about that. And I want to go back to Oscar real quick because I, I think you brought up a great point. He's not taking any shots that he can't take or can't make, really. Mm-hmm. So he's thriving in his role and doing what he does best, and that's being effective on the glass and dunking the basketball or laying yep, the basketball exactly. up. That's what he is. It's all he's going to be in the NBA. Yep. I mean, that's what he's going to be in the G League as well. So I, I love that he's not trying to overdo things and trying to prove, oh, I can be a three-point shooter. Oh, I can be this. Yeah. Like, no, this is who I am. So that's a great point there. And, you know, Isaiah Wong, this is a guy that he's better with the ball in his hands. We saw him thrive at Miami, ACC player of the year last year. This is a, this is a very experienced player that I think that he probably just had a little bit of the jitterbug as the first game of the of the summer league. Try to prove yourself. Try to prove your worth, man. Like 55th overall in the draft, like that's not something to brag about. I mean, yeah, you got yeah. drafted, but, you know, this is an ACC player of the year. You're wanting to prove that I belong in this league. I'm, I'm better than you know, the other 54 guys drafted ahead of me. So it's, you know, it's a pipe dream, whatever. But I I just think that that focus and that competitive edge that he's always played with has showcased in in these three games. And he's gotten better, and I'm glad to see that. Because if you see a player stay the same or get worse in Summer League, that's when you start to get some question marks about, okay, who are they? Because Summer League is a great opportunity for people to develop it's an it's a, it's opportunity for people to showcase, you know, good and the bad, or at least let them experiment with things. And I think this is where we can kind of transition into Ben Shepard now, because I feel like all three games have been totally different for him and what the Pacers have yes. asked of him and how they've ran things for him. So just quickly from my side here, Fachi, in the first game, thought he was trying to get his feet wet, definitely felt like the fifth option. Okay. In the second game, I felt like they tried to get him a little bit more involved early on. We saw Matherin kind of be more of a playmaker with six assists compared to the zero that he had in the first game. And you saw Shepard kind of thrive in that role as this off-ball guy, do a little bit of the dirty work, knock some shots down when he's fed. But in this past game here, it was kind of like, okay, all eyes are on Ben Shepard now without Matherin, without Nimhard. All right, we need you to pick up your scoring. And he really didn't. And so I think... Asking him to be the guy of a unit is definitely something that's not going to translate into the NBA. It's really early to say that. I understand that. But I think that we can kind of tell already he's going to be more of a complimentary piece that plays better playing off of others, which is fine because we have Tyrese Halliburton, Andrew Nimhart, so he can do that. But I think if you're asking him to play this larger role right away, it's not going to work out offensively. But I felt like defensively he's been pretty solid all three games showcase his switchability there sometimes he was guarding Chet last night and against the Thunder so I just think that with him don't always look at the points for the production 
I think he's very productive defensively, and I think that he's going to continue to showcase um, that he can be really special in a, in a certain role, but don't expect him to come out of that role and be somebody that he's not. Yeah, I just think that when you remove guys like Andrew Nemhard and Benedict Matherin out of the lineup who could really put pressure on the defense, it becomes very tough for Ben Shepard to step up and be a number one or number two scoring option. So I do think that in the regular season, when he's far more comfortable, it's going to be easier for him to be, you know, running around, coming off screens, being able to, you know, catch and shoot and do things of that sort instead of trying to really create for himself. We know, yes, as a form point guard, he can create, but I don't think that that's something the Pacers need him to do. Um, obviously, th- there was the struggles. Game one, definitely a struggle that you talked about. Game two was awesome. 16 points, nine rebounds. The shooting percentages were great. Six of 11 from the field, four of seven from three. You really felt like, okay, yep, Ben Shepard's going to be good. You don't want to overreact with the recent game three performance. Five points, two of nine shooting. Overall, he shot 5 of 15 from 3 in the three games, just 30%. They're not what you want to see. I guess, yeah, 33%. Not not what you want to see, but I'm not worried uh, because mm-hmm. I do think that when there are more playmakers around him, he'll play the role that he needs to play. Like, everybody knows Luke Kennard, Duncan Robinson, really good three-point shooters. Do they need them to be more than that? No. The Pacers don't need Ben Shepard to be a number two, even a number three scoring option. He could be a number five scoring option. And I think the Pacers can live with that, especially short term, because you kind of get the feeling, you know, right now with feels like buddy ain't going nowhere at this moment. Anything could change. It feels like Ben Shepard's role is going to expand as the season goes on, but it's probably not going to be a large role early on. Yeah. I would be kind of shocked if he has a big role this season. I think that yeah, they will probably carve out a few stretches where maybe he plays in three games or five games, and mm-hmm. they kind of give him an opportunity to be the the backup shooting guard, play about eight to ten minutes that night, and kind of get a feel for what he is. And there's going to be injuries that happen. We know that. So that's when they'll call on him to step up and play those minutes, and that'll be exciting to watch throughout the year. But I think early on with how crowded this backcourt already is, he's going to be in that third unit. He's going to be a third stringer that – doesn't see a lot of the floor this year, but that's okay because it's going to be great experience for him just getting in there, practicing with these NBA players, working out with these guys, and he'll figure things out. I mean, I'm not worried about him. Um, JMV, I was on a radio interview with him before I came and did this podcast with you, and he asked me if I was a little bit worried or you know, kind of upset with the pick they took with Ben Shepard at 26. And he's like, I know it's way too early to say that, but after watching him in summer league, are you kind of like, a little like disappointed with the pick. And I said, well, it's just way too early <laughs> to be making any kind of bold take on it. I said, I think he'll be fine. I said, I was a Leonard Miller guy. I said, we had a draft analyst come on our show and basically kind of explain why it might've been too much of a redundant pick with already taking Jairus Walker. I said, I think that Ben Shepard is going to be fine. I think that, yeah, there might've been other players there that made more sense for what I liked, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it was a terrible pick. You can't say that after three games of summer league and ride a guy completely off. So I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to limit what his role is going to be next year either, but I'm just trying to set realistic expectations for myself as someone that's covering this team and for our fans that are listening who maybe want to see him get more shine than he'll probably will. Like, why isn't he playing? Well, I think there's a reason why. I just think it's going to take probably a good year of just being in the NBA and being around NBA guys to get his feet wet. 
No doubt about it. Look, that game two was a really good performance. And I'm happy that we got that because that was the encouragement to say, okay, this guy can hit shots. Mm-hmm. I, I think we got to give it time. Three summer league games. Come on. This this guy's making a move from Belmont to, you know, the NBA. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big adjustment. So I do think that this is a pick that you look for down the line. And I don't, I don't mean down the line, like Mojave King. I mean, like down the line in this season and for next season and everything like that, because we don't know how many years or if Buddy is still with the team past this year. If you lose a shooter like Buddy Heald, it, it's nice to know that you have a potentially really good shooter just right on your bench in Ben Shepard. So I think that we're going to be just fine. I don't want to overreact because it is summer league. We've seen, look, even Ben Matherin didn't look good in game two. And mm-hmm. we're not going to panic off of that. But someone who I think that has ramped up his uh, his play, at least offensively for sure, Jarris Walker. Jarris Walker, we saw game one, shot really struggled, 3 of 13 shooting, but he did everything else really well. The 13 rebounds, the five assists, three blocks, three steals. Game two, ups it 16 points on 7 of 17 shooting, you know, four rebounds, four assists. So at this point, we're seeing the passing's real. Through the first two games, four and a half assists. Last night, you know, the assists weren't where they were before, but there's a lot less playmakers around him. No Matherin, no Isaiah Jackson, no Nemhard. That's going to happen. Two assists, but he, he gives you nine rebounds and 20 points. So each game we saw 13 shots, 17 shots, 19 shots. Even though the percentages haven't been great, I love being able to really, you know, just increase his role, especially in summer league, because we know we don't need him to be a scorer come the regular season. So if he could just focus on defense and rebounding short term, still being a good playmaker like that, that that's what the Pacers are looking for in year one out of Jarris Walker, in my opinion. Jarris Walker looks ready to play NBA basketball games right now. Yep. I'm not trying to be overdramatic by saying that, but I, I definitely think that this is a guy that has showcased enough already for his feel, his defensive ability, his rebounding presence. I I just feel like everything about him so far that he's showcased in summer league screams, I'm ready for the NBA. I'm ready for that opportunity. And I know that we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but I'm kind of flipping how I felt about who starts. I think it's going to be Jairus Walker. Mm, I, I think see. that I think the reason why is because they want people. I want. I think they want to solidify with their roster that okay, Obi Toppin, we might need your scoring off the bench more. I think that. Jairus Walker is a better defender. They want to get better on defense. I think that it makes more sense to pair him with the guys that he's going to be paired with long-term and see what you have with him and Miles together. See what you have with him, Mather and Miles and Halliburton together. And whoever ends up being that fifth starter, we'll figure that out. But I just feel like that to me is kind of like the more I think about it, the more I feel like, okay, this is going to be a training camp battle for sure. But I, I still think that Jairus Walker probably edges his edges him out in terms of Obi Toppin just because the Pacers invested the most in him by taking him eighth overall. Um, you know, two second round picks is an investment, but it's not as big of an investment as the eighth overall pick. So I feel like Jairus Walker, what we've seen so far, Vachi, like this, this screams like stuff Carlisle is going to love in a player. And I think it's going to be very, very hard for him not to see the floor. So that's why I feel that way. I know you probably feel different. You're a big Obi Toppin guy. I know Derek Schultz, when he was on, he wasn't super uh and excited about it but there's 
fans all over that are like happy about it, meh about it. I'm 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 pretty excited about Obi Top and what he can do, but I also think it does make a little bit of sense to kind of let him be with that second unit and maybe be a little bit more established because that second unit could be lethal if you have guys in it that fit really well together. Yeah, I mean, no, to your point, you know, being the fifth scoring option, which to an extent maybe Obi finds himself in that type of role, is never really the best role to showcase an offensive, you know, player like Obi Toppin. So if you do bring him off the bench, he's still going to have a much bigger role than the 14 minutes per game he was playing in New York behind Julius Randle. So either way, it's an uptick in minutes and role. And for Jarris Walker, like I mentioned before, he's not going to be having games where he's shooting 19 times or 17 times. I don't envision that because that's not what the Pacers need. I think he very well could be that fifth starter who plays what's asked of him very, very well. And then Obi's in, you know, more of that scoring option with the second unit. I could see it going either way. I know nothing's going to be handed to Jarris Walker. So we do know it is going to be a battle, but I could see it from that standpoint of, Hey, look, when Jarris is in, he's going to be banging the boards, playing defense. And we already know that, you know, he's going to do that better than Obi Toppin is. I think Obi could be a rebounder, but long-term Jarris Walker is going to be a better rebounder in this league, better defensively. No doubt about that. So I could very well see that. Um, Obviously, Obi's got that experience. But when you want to improve defensively, Jarris Walker, I think, could fit into that role from day one compared to Obi Toppin, where you know know what you're getting offensively, defensively, you really don't. So, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, this could very well change. It could flip-flop. I don't think that one guy is going to be locked in to either role. I think it's going to be who ends up playing better and things like that. But, yeah, for Jarris Walker... Short term, if you're looking for defense, rebounding, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get that better, I think, than Obi Toppin. Speaking of flip flopping, Obi Toppin is now Obi One. Obi Toppin is mm-hmm. taking Jarris Walker's number one jersey, and Jarris Walker is changing his jersey number two, number five. We found out that today the Pacers released an official announcement. There were some Question marks going around because we saw some rookie pictures leaked where Jairus Walker was rocking a number five jersey. He was just number one last night in summer league. So, you know, it's one of those things where Jairus was not attached to number one. Obviously, Obi Toppin has always been number one. So they worked it out. I think the Pacers marketing team is going to love having Obi one for Star Wars night. Miles Turner is going to be excited about it as well. And cool thing here, the Pacers team store just put this out. If you have previously ordered a Jairus Walker number one jersey, they are going to replace it free of charge. Please email customer service for assistance. So Pacers Team Store has taken care of the customers that may have previously bought a Jairus Walker number one jersey. So I would say hold on to that memory because that's going to be a funny story to tell somebody like, why do you have a Jairus Walker number one jersey? (laughs) But um, Yep. Anything else on that? It just real quick on that, I, I don't know. Number one for Jarris Walker, I was never in love with it. I oh, stand by it. He should wear number seven. He's he not because George Hill's going to be wearing it, right? Well, we'll uh, we got to have a roster spot for him. So until that <laughs> happens, you know, we'll we'll see. But I, I really do think number seven fit him better. Number five's not bad. I mean, hey, we haven't had number five worn since Edmund Sumner. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that number's not going on the rafters. Sorry, Sumner, but uh, we we do miss you. Uh, the last person I want to touch on from Summer League, Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown, I, I, I knew I, it. I, I, because you can't leave this man out. 
I like what I've seen offensively. Look, he didn't blow anybody away. Defensively, just he's been super active. I mean, in the three games, first game, nine points, five blocks, four rebounds, four of six shooting. Great. Uh, game two, six points, five boards. I mean, again, he's just he's been blocking shots. He's been getting steals. He's just been all over the place. Game three, he had 12 points. He struggled from the field on three of 10 shooting. But you still got three steals, three blocks. He was a plus two. Only him and Oscar were were a positive plus <laughs> minus, you know, last night. And I just I just like what I've seen from Kendall Brown defensively. He still has ways to grow, but I, I feel like he's in for a, a solid year of development in the G League, barring that he stays healthy. Yeah, I think this the drafting of Mojave King was a great sign for Kendall Brown because with an extra two way spot, it was basically the Pacers said, okay. We really value putting Kendall on this two-way because they believe in him. They traded for him last year, and he's shown that he's he, he's a very active player, Fachi. He's tall enough that I think at times he could play the small ball five if you need him to. He's not a shooter. I mean, he shows flashes yeah. of shooting, but he's not a shooter. Guy cannot put the ball on the floor. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I feel bad for the kid, but he travels every single time he tries to drive yeah. to the basket. He cannot keep his pivot foot established. He always switches pivot foots before he puts the ball down. And I'm like, okay, this is elementary stuff, but that's okay. He doesn't need to be that kind of guy. I think he can be a guy that cuts very well, a guy that slashes very well, a guy that defends really well. And I mean, he can put the ball out in front of him in transition, but like if he's trying to create in the triple threat, I don't know what it is, but he just puts – both feet first before he puts the ball down. So I think that Kendall Brown is someone that we both really were intrigued by last year. I know I had a man crush on him uh, last year during the draft process. I wanted Kendall Brown badly to be in the Pacers uniform. And as the year has gone on and, you know, I would say absence has not made the heart grow fonder for me with Kendall Brown, but I still believe in him as a player. I still think he can be an impactful guy. I don't really know if I see him being a long-term NBA player, though, still yet. I I think we have a long ways to go with his game overall to see him in that role. But there is a spot, I think, for him to be a starter in the G League and a fringe, you know, roster spot kind of guy. I think that's where we're at with Kendall Brown. And looking at this team right now in the Summer League, where would you rank him in terms of most impressive? With the current guys, not the three guys that are done. Okay, so okay, so if you're talking, if you're removing Nemhard, Matherin, and Isaiah Jackson, I have him in my upper list. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jarris Walker. Look, he he's been good. He's he the flat. What you've seen at Jarris Walker is obviously impressive, and he's had some. You know, he's up to scoring in every game. Then, honestly. Kendall Brown's really high up there for me. Kendall mm-hmm. Brown's definitely ahead of Ben Shepard, in my opinion, of what we've seen. And then Isaiah Wong had one good game, but I just I just like the flashes that I've seen from Kendall Brown to the point where, man, I, I guess it feels crazy to say, but am I really ranking him? Second? Maybe second behind Jarris Walker, to I mean, be that's, honest. That'd be fifth overall if you put the whole roster. Yeah, that yeah and that's there. kind it's, of where I see it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard argument to go against because, like, you can make the case like Wong had a better game yeah. than he's had an entire whatever, you know. But I think consistently, Kendall Brown's been your second best player of the remaining guys left. Um, Shebae's probably right there as well in terms of like consistency. Shepard, clearly the highest ceiling of anybody besides Walker. Yes. So no doubt about that. But 
Yeah, I, I think that you got to put KB at two for where they're at right now. I, I wanted to make the case for Wong, but you really can't. That first game was so no. bad. That game was so bad. But I think last night's game against the Thunder was huge for him. So love to see that. But anything else you want to touch on Summer League-wise, or can we wrap this one up for Summer League? We could wrap it up, put a bow on it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, cool. So I want to spend the next you know, two to three minutes just quickly touching on the, la- the latest report from Jake Fisher uh, talking about the Pacers uh, and, and TJ McConnell. This is a very, you know, kind of out of nowhere rumor that came out in this article. Basically, it just said the Suns went TJ McConnell. Didn't say the Pacers were getting off of him. It also said the Suns were looking to move campaign. I think people were putting two and two together. And thinking, oh, they're, they're trying to do a trade talk for campaign for TJ McConnell. And I, I didn't take it that way, Fachi. I took it more as of uh, TJ McConnell, someone they're targeting at, that they would like to add to this team. And they want to move off campaign because they don't think he fits with what they want to do. So, yeah, it would probably have to be a campaign trade for it to happen to get TJ McConnell. I get that. But I don't think the reporting was suggesting that there had been trade talks between the two. I just think that the, the reporting was basically just saying that Phoenix has their eyes on TJ McConnell. And then Jake Fisher came on JMV today. Pretty much said that's the only team he's heard tied to TJ McConnell as well. And said that he would not be surprised if more and more teams are calling about him now and wouldn't be surprised if he's traded by the deadline. I think that's a great breakdown of it because everybody immediately went for, are there discussions of like a TJ McConnell for, for campaign trade? And many people were not a fan of it. I was not a fan of it either. But this ain't it. Thing. This ain't it. Simply put, this ain't it. Because I just feel like we already have a logjam at guard. Yes, campaign is not uh, under contract pass this year. So you do save the $5 million is partially guaranteed TJ McConnell. But there would have to be more. I would rather have a veteran coming back to us that doesn't even really play. You know, that could just bring more to the team than Cameron Payne just looking to kind of get up some shots in a, in a contract year and just... Not not the not the best fit, but to your point before, I think he makes a lot of sense to Phoenix because mm-hmm. Phoenix has so many scoring options, but they don't have that like true point guard that can like lead a team and distribute the ball. TJ McConnell would be perfect for them. Now I started to look through because everybody thinks, hey, look, the Suns are depleted of assets. Well, they did make a move. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. With Memphis, that does make things a little bit more interesting. Now here was the trade. Uh, Phoenix dumped Isaiah Todd 
and they uh, are now offering up pick swaps for next year in 2030 in the first round with Memphis. And in return, they got three second-round picks. Now, that is the 2025 Pelicans second-round pick, and then Memphis's 2028 and 2029 second-round picks. Now, I don't know if TJ McConnell would command two second-round picks at this point, but if you are to take a guy like Campaign back, I do feel like one of those second-round picks would have to be in there. And I think that the Pacers could move on from McConnell if they have that type of discussion to say, you're going to have a very reduced role, and we want to do right by you and send you to a good team. If you send TJ McConnell to the Phoenix Suns, I, I think for a guy that went to the University of Arizona and is now would be able to compete for a championship, I think he might be very much all right in that type of scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the Pacers will have conversations with TJ McConnell discussing his role. And if they feel like and, and Carlisle is going to be pretty transparent because we saw him do this last year with Daniel Tice. Hey, we're going to give the young guys opportunity. You're not going to play the rest of the year, pretty much. So, you know, Tice bought in, was able to be that veteran. I think with TJ McConnell, the Pacers will talk to him and say, look, we want to see how things look with Nimhart as the backup, too. We're not going to have you in our 10 man rotation to start the year off with. You're going to be our third string point guard. If you're willing to accept that role, then okay. We'd love to have you be a part of this team because. I definitely think he means way more to the front office. Jake Fisher even uh, alluded to that in his reporting today that he was discussing in his conversation with JMV. Like the Pacers in the front office, their Pacers front office with TJ McConnell, they're very close. So, and I I don't think that surprises anybody. There's been a lot of speculation that TJ could be a coach for this team once he retires, could be a Pacer for life. And the fan base loves TJ McConnell. And I know that there's people that think I don't like TJ McConnell because I went on a rant because Chad Buchanan called him the heart and soul of the team. And I got mad about that because I was like, that's a little bit over the top. (laughs) But, you know, if I'm just looking back at everything that's been said about McConnell, you know, they have a high appreciation for him. So I think the best way to respect him is to have an open conversation with him about his role. If he's not willing to accept it, or if he feels like he wants to be dealt so he can still play basketball at a high level for the years that he has left, then you try to find a situation for him where he can thrive and and be that guy that he's always been for the Pacers on another team with legit playing time. And it's not that he's not a good player. It's the fact that Nimhard and Halliburton are so good at the point guard position, you don't really need his services elsewhere, and he can't play another position. So I agree with you, Fachi, that there's a fine line here in terms of what you get back in return for him. But when I tweeted at you yesterday, I was not trying to come across as like, rude or anything like that i was just curious because you were pretty adamant like you hated this trade idea with phoenix but i was just curious what is your actual realistic trade value for mcconnell because in our exercise i don't feel like i got clarity because you were asking for some first round picks when we were talking about a trade form then i kind of explained why i didn't feel like that would work but i never got clarity on what you think his value is so league-wide value what do you think his actual value is no you're not getting it first it's it's not going to happen um (laughs) Yeah, I, I know that's not going to happen. And then some people were tweeting, what about like a heavily protected first? Like first round picks have now become gold, especially with what's going on with the CBA. It's, it's just people are holding on to their first. People are even treating second round picks. The value of that's gone up. So I think that for McConnell, if there is a scenario that you're able to somehow get two second round picks, I think that's a win. I don't think that's probably where he's at. I think it's probably a player end 
a second round pick, but I just think that that player, when you talk about campaign, a guy who actually fell out of the league at one point um, in his first couple of years, I think was pretty rough. You know, you're going to get a guy who's, you know, going to be a little bit of a chucker, um, you know, from a distributing standpoint. Okay. Yeah. All right. From assists, but not like a TJ McConnell. So I, I just think in that situation, I would rather a veteran and a second round pick. If it could be a somewhat promising second round pick, hey, great. But McConnell making about $9 million, it's not, not necessarily chump change. You could probably find a scenario where it's an expiring veteran. So you're saving the $5 million for next year. You're getting a second round pick with it. I think that's probably where he's at. But there should be a lot of teams that are willing to pay that because TJ McConnell can instantly make a deep team that much better. We've talked about how like the Milwaukee Bucks would love mm-hmm. a TJ McConnell. You talk about the Phoenix Suns would love a TJ McConnell, and there's plenty others that would have well as would as well. Yeah, I mean, I think a player probably has to come back in any deal only because yeah. of the salary purposes. Exactly. But I think strictly value wise, I think if you could get one second round pick for TJ McConnell, that's probably the fair value because you know, we just talked about it. Obi Toppin, two second round picks. Chris Duarte, two second round picks. You Young. Know, they're, lottery they're picks. On, yeah, lottery picks on their rookie deal still. So that's why you have to like step back. And you talked about it. You're like, well, the Pacers value McConnell more than Duarte, which they do, but that doesn't matter yeah. to the rest of the league. So no, it does not. No. Yeah. No. And, and that's how you have to evaluate trades and stuff like that is to like, they probably McConnell probably means way more to the Pacers than he will to any of the other 29 teams at this moment. Now, when they trade for him, that might change things. So we'll see what happens, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he is dealt before the season. Fachi definitely think Jake Fisher's onto something where he said probably by the trade deadline, if he's not dealt before the season, they still have a log jam at center. I think they got to move off of one of those guys too. We've talked about this already on a recent podcast, but I felt like this is uh, just interesting to talk about McConnell specifically because of that latest report from Jake Fisher. And, you know, whether you whether you hate McConnell, love McConnell, or are in between, at the end of the day, McConnell has been a lot to this franchise, and he means more probably to their locker room and to what he does off the court than what he does on court. And that's saying a lot because I think there's going to be times where you do miss him if you do trade him because – it's a random Tuesday night. The Pacers are down by 10. McConnell comes in the game, and somehow in 10 minutes, you're up by three because McConnell can go in there and just change things that drastically. Like He has that ability. So I just feel like he's such a good person that this franchise adores him. But at the same time, I can see why the Pacers might decide we got to do him a solid and, and find him a good landing spot. And it would be much better to do him a solid than to just see him not playing because he is such a competitor, such a fiery competitor. But also, I don't think everybody realizes just how important a real professional is on a day-in, day-out basis. Someone showing you to be on time, put in that work all the time. Because we've talked about it before, but like a team like the Houston Rockets or like the Memphis Grizzlies, that really do didn't have those type of veterans you see what happens and guys develop bad habits there's always going to be a time to move on from a veteran but like even if we were talking about a deal with toronto where it's like thad young makes i think eight million dollars so it's like right in the range like thad young in a second round pick i would much rather that than like cameron Payne straight up where it's a guy who's looking to get his own shot 
Thad Young, I feel like, is someone who you don't really need to play much but could still be that veteran for this team. Because someone tweeted, like, why can't Halliburton be that guy? Look, we love Halliburton. He's stepping into being a leader. He's also 23 years old and, you know, has limited experience. I think it's he's taking on more and more of leadership. But a guy like TJ McConnell is still just someone that I think could, you know, he's been around the block a little bit more and it's valuable in a locker room that's very, very young. Yeah, no, you bring up some great points there. It's got to be the right person. I mean, even if they brought campaign it in, does. I don't think the salary matches up anyway. So Phoenix it's, it's was close. Yeah. What's he make? Phoenix Six takes on a little bit more. Yeah. They can, I because say... they're over the tax with the new CBA, they have to add something else in there. So that's why this trade is so like, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I just think they like McConnell. I don't know what they'd be able to give for him. Somebody threw out, Oh, McConnell and miles for Deandre. Like, let's just, okay, let's just stop. I, I know so. we, we, we got to stop with the eight and stuff. Everybody, like, it's like everybody knows and not, not that tweet, but like the, Overall media, I feel like, knows so little about the Pacers that they just go, hey, weren't they interested in Aiden once? Like, ah, send them Aiden back. It's like, yeah, yeah that was that was one time, all right? I, like, we, I, had a national, I had a national guy that covers the league, uh, like the league as a whole, not just like, you know, one specific team. They reached out to me this week, and they are like, are you hearing any rumblings on this Pascal Siakam stuff? And I was like, no, I'm really not. I mean, only thing that I've heard is that, you know, Toronto, once again, is – handling this poorly like they have all the other players that have been part of their championship roster and they're probably going to lose them for nothing because of the stupidity that they've done by creating such a chaotic mess and there's been reporting from Jake Fisher talking about Pascal not coming to summer league because of the situation at hand here with Toronto so you know Toronto Masai Ujiri everybody praised him for getting Kawhi Leonard but since that trade he's been an absolute uh I wouldn't say joke but it's been poorly handled the way things have gone there with the players and, you know, they've had some good draft picks, stuff like that. They've made some good moves around the edges. But it's kind of interesting that guys are leaving and not wanting to stay there and be a part of that culture. But I'll just say this. That person and me messaged back and forth, and they're like, I think Pascal to Andy makes a lot of sense. And I said, well, yeah, the fit-wise, I think he would be a good player for them. But I think it would be hard to trade one of Nimhard, Matherin, or Jairus Walker. And the person replied back and said, Matherin, I get. Walker and Nimhard, I don't see why that should stop any deal from happening. And I'm thinking, okay, they don't watch it, Pacers. So yeah, no. that that's the thing. So it just comes with the territory of it's hard to cover the entire league. It's hard to really know the ins and outs of the roster and how these players fit with the team and what they mean, you know, in terms of the the relationship with the fan base and the other players on the team. So it's, it's hard. But I will say this. The Pacers are in a good spot. If they move McConnell, it is what it is. It's not going to break the bank. McConnell is this guy. Uh, is a good player. He's, he's a good part of this team, but he's not going to get you to the championship. He's not going to be the guy that's a difference maker if you make the playoffs or not. He's a, he's a difference maker in a different way, but on-court production, it's good. But he's not Tyrese Halliburton. He's not Andrew Nimhard. Uh, the ceiling is just quite a bit lower for him compared to those two, in my personal opinion. And if you disagree, I understand. But I just think that when it comes to McConnell, at the end of the day, He's probably better off being who he is somewhere else where he can really be in a more magnified role than being a third-string guy here to back up Halliburton and Nimhard and not see the floor that much. He probably still will see it some, but I would say it's probably going to be limited to what he was doing last year. It definitely would be. And honestly, McConnell's probably worked too hard on that three-point ball to be sitting at the end of a bench because we actually finally saw some improvement last year that, hey, hey look, if, if he goes to Phoenix, I, I truly do think 
he could be playing some killer basketball compared to this year where you just imagine you just imagine a very minimized role for TJ McConnell and you know it, it, it's tough i understand if pacers want to do right by him I, i'm all for it just uh you know just just get something back in return absolutely Fachi. so go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook at setting the pace you can find us on tiktok at setting the pace and alex tell them where they can check us out on youtube that's right ladies and gentlemen you can go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of pacers podcast and check out our latest video where we discuss the pascal siakam rumors and we discuss some trade ideas on that if you haven't seen that already and you want to see me and Faji talk do that and i will apologize i misspelled indiana somehow i i was doing it late at night and didn't even realize i did it until after i posted it I was watching the youtube video back and i said oh my god i forgot the second i in indy uh indiana so it's indiana on <laughs> on our youtube page and i can't really do anything to change it so I apologize for that, but um, hopefully you still like the content, even though I can't spell for whatever reason. And if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That would be great. We love hearing the positive feedback from you guys. But Fachi, with that being said, if you are excited to see the Pacers close out Summer League, two more games left, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We go 